Hello, this is Jake Watkins. I'm the Young Adults Pastor at Cross City Christian Church, and welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk inspires you and encourages you into anchoring the love and power of Jesus into your daily life. Enjoy the message. I think everybody here knows the story of the three little pigs. Is there anybody that doesn't know the story of the three little pigs? Three little pigs, okay? Uh, one little piggy builds a house made of straw, and the big bad wolf comes, and he's like, yo, let me in. I want to eat you. And the pig's like, nah, fam. And so he's like, fine, I'm going to huff and puff and blow the house down. And so he huffs and puffs, and he blows the house down. And the pig runs to his other sibling's house, and he gets there, and his sibling, the other piggy, uh, has a house made of sticks. And the big bad wolf comes, and he's like, yo, let me in. And they're like, nah. And so he huffs, and he puffs, and he blows their house down. And then he gets to the third little piggy's house, and it's a house made of bricks, and he huffs and he puffs, and he tries to blow the house down, and he can't. And I don't know if you actually know the ending of the story, but the big bad wolf, who at this point is really hungry because he hasn't had his bacon, he gets to the top of the roof, goes down the chimney, and the three little pigs have a giant boiling pot of hot water, and he comes down the chimney, and he lands in it, they close the pot, and they cook him and eat him. That's the actual fairy tale story. It's wild, absolutely wild. But really, like we get told this story as kids and we're like, oh, three little piggies. Dude, this story is actually kind of sad, all right? Like it's sad for a multitude of reasons. One is because the wolf dies and he's just trying to eat, right? Like I can relate to that. I'm always just trying to eat. I'm hungry. But the three little pigs, man, their houses got blown down. Like have you ever tried to make a house out of straw? Like hay. Try it. You can't. Like, that just sounds impossible to me. Yet this pig did it. <laughs> and it just gets blown down. And another pig makes a house out of sticks. All that hard work to make a house out of sticks. And it gets blown down. I mean, this is a sad, kind of depressing uh, story. When you think about it, I mean, these little piggies face hardship. <laughs> they face some trials. All they had worked for was just blown away in a matter of moments. And, and the even sadder part about stories like this is they're, they're not just fairy tales. This is the reality that some of us live in. I mean, it's just the other day I, I heard the story. My mom's friend was in an abusive relationship with her husband, and he, he literally beat her. And he beat her so bad one day he actually got sent to jail. And it's at that point she was able to move across the country. And when she got to where she was going, it was a few days later that she got COVID and her heart literally gave out and she died. This is reality people are living in. I mean, I read a story of a family who was literally in their house when a storm came through and literally blew their house down. They were left with nothing. This is the realities that we live in. These are real people in real situations really suffering. And suffering's not new to the world. Uh, we've suffered since the day Adam and Eve have sinned. And the Bible has countless examples of suffering all throughout. The early followers of Jesus suffered and were persecuted and were murdered. There's Christians around the world today that are still going through the same. The Israelites in the Old Testament went through years of slavery and hardship. 
And perhaps probably the most well-known story in the Bible of suffering is a story of a man who suffered severe personal tragedy. And his name is Job. And see, Job was a story of, of a man that was ingrained into the culture of the Israelites. They grew up hearing the story. Just like you and I grew up hearing the story of the three little piggies. Man, the Israelites, the, the, the Jewish people grew up with this story of this man named Job. And there's 42 chapters in this book of Job. But today we're going to be focusing on uh, just really a short section of the beginning. We're going to be reading through the whole first chapter, and it's a lot, so be ready. But I want you to follow along with me. It's going to be on the screens. In the land of us, not us, us, just a real place, by the way, okay, not made up, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. See, back then they didn't have money. They measured your wealth by what you had, your livestock. So they list out his livestock. This dude's rich. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And this was Job's regular custom. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, scene shift, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge of protection around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands that his flocks and herds spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power. But on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell, that's a phrase used for lightning. Uh, the, the lightning fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. 
at this, at this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. A little background on the book of Job. Scholars believe Job is actually the earliest writing of the Bible. Either written around the same time or even possibly before the book of Genesis. That means that the story of Job took place before Moses and the writings of the Old Testament and obviously before the New Testament. In fact, Job the person, he had a very narrow, very limited view and understanding of who God is. There was no Bible, there was no law of Moses, there was no Ten Commandments, there was no New Testament, uh, there was no writings of Paul, there was no podcast he could listen to, there was no church he could attend to on the weekend. Yet what happens is Job displays what God intends for you and I in our suffering. In the middle of the hardest points in life, in the middle of the suffering, what God has for you and wants from you is faithfulness. In the middle of suffering, what God has for you and what God wants from you is faithfulness. See, this is easily said hard to do. Job, in the middle of the hardest day of his life so far, when he gets bad news and then more bad news, and then worse news, and then the worst news he can possibly get. When he's finding that his wealth is gone, his employees have died, that the house literally blew down and killed all his children, the first thing that Job does is worship. <laughs> I can't imagine being in his shoes. I mean, he, he shaved his head, tore his robe, got down on his knees and worshiped. Yeah, I would have a meltdown. Maybe I'd have a Britney Spears moment and shave my head. But I don't know if I can worship in that moment. And yet, that's what Job does. I, I don't know if there's a single person in this room that would do that. I mean, when the house blows down, is your first move going to be to worship in faithfulness? When everything else in your life is stripped away, will you still have faith? The same faithfulness that Job displayed is the same faithfulness that's described in the fruit of the Spirit. Do you remember that? We just got through a whole series. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Faithfulness is all about trust and loyalty. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So the evidence of a true follower, a true believer of Jesus, the evidence that someone is a true follower is faith. It's a, it's a confidence and a hope and assurance of things when we don't see it. Even in the middle of, the worst, of our worst days, even in the worst and lowest of valleys, even when life gets the toughest. But Job, he had no idea of Jesus. Job had no idea of who Jesus was. He had a very limited understanding of God, yet he displays faithfulness. What God has for you 
and wants for you in the middle of your worst day is faith. But what does that mean? What does it mean? What will faith do for you? When you're facing the hardest thing in life, what is faith actually going to do for you? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what it's not going to do. Number one, choosing faith in the midst of suffering will not eliminate the pain. Choosing faith in the middle of your suffering will not eliminate the pain. Job was a man who was nearly crushed by the pain of suffering. He tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground when he heard that his children had died. And, And that's just chapter one. Chapter 2 tells us that he gets this crazy skin disease. We're all over his skin. He gets these massive sores. And so he takes a broken uh, jar from his house, this broken pottery, and he starts doing like this homemade surgery where he's trying to cut off the sores from his body. This is a man in pain. Yet in the midst of such pain and heartache, Job issued some of the greatest statements of faith ever heard. Naked I come from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And in chapter 2, he says this, Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Let me ask you, how is it that a man can choose such great faith, yet still feel such great pain? How else could it be? How, how else could it be? <laughs> faith does not eliminate the pain of loss. I was just talking to my wife today. Every day I look at my two dogs and I'm like, dude, I love these dogs. I do. They bring me joy. But I never had dogs growing up, like ever, and I, I didn't. And I've talked to my dad over the years, like, why wouldn't you let us have dogs? When we were kids, it was always, oh, you won't take care of them. As I get older, I got down to the root that my dad, when he was a kid, had a dog named Spanky. You know what happened to Spanky? He's dead, okay? Dogs die. You know why? Because they don't live as long as humans. And it wrecked my dad. And my dad did not want to have to deal with the loss of a dog. That's why he didn't want to get us a dog. He didn't want to feel that pain, and he didn't want us to feel that pain. But you know what I tell him? I say, Dad, I would have rather loved and lost than to never have loved at all. But it's true, and that's just a dog. And, and, and if we take the risk, honestly, of loving people around us, if we take the risk of having deep relationship with each other or having kids and having love in this world, we, the grief, honestly, is tremendous if we lose the people we love. If the people we love are taken from us, that grief is huge. The only way you don't suffer the pain of loss and tragedy and grief in life is if you never love. Man, that's not an alternative that Job was willing to take. And so here's what I want to tell you, that when you're facing tragedy, you're facing loss in life, you're suffering, I want you to know it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to worship and still feel grief. There'll be people out there be like, you can't be sad when you're worshiping the Lord. Man, you just praise God and the pain's going to go away. No, 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 no. You can worship and still feel grief. It's okay to pray and still feel pain. Just because you feel the hurt doesn't mean your worship isn't working. It doesn't mean your prayers aren't being heard. 
Faith doesn't take away suffering. Faith happens in the middle of suffering. Faith will not eliminate the pain. And the second thing is choosing faith in the midst of suffering will not stop the questions. Choosing faith in the middle of suffering will not stop the questions. Let me tell you, Job had questions. In fact, the book of Job starts with two chapters of great faith, and after that comes 35 chapters of great questions. The man had questions. In the book of Job alone, there's over 330 questions in the entire book. Job 7, he, he asks in, in verse 20, If I have sinned, what have I done to you, you who see everything we do? Why have you made me your target? Have I become a burden to you? These are questions Job's asking. In Job 3, verse 11, he said, Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? See, Job had great faith, but faith doesn't stop the questions. We can have faith as we go through the worst things in life, but still have questions. God, why me? God, why now? God, why them? In fact, our, our biggest question in life, and one of the biggest questions that keeps people from following God is, why does God allow pain and suffering? And man, the, the book of Job uh, paints one of the weirdest pictures in all of the Bible. And, and we're going to talk about this in the uh, upcoming weeks. I mean, this is a topic all on its own, uh, so be ready. But it, it's so weird <laughs> to read that the God of all the universe has an audience with Satan. And the subject of their conversation is a nearly flawless, blameless man and how he might be tortured. And God sits up there on the throne, and he takes a seat, and he watches this guy and how much of a beating he can take in his life. Man, I read this, and I really don't like this story. I don't like the fact that God had a conversation with the enemy. I, I don't think we like God watching from the sidelines for all of this. We don't enjoy reading what happened to Job. Nothing about this story seems to make sense when you first read it whatsoever, and it certainly isn't satisfying. So we ask God, why? And we aren't alone in our questions, just like Job wasn't alone in his questions. Jeremiah in the Bible, he couldn't preach without weeping and questioning how God could have allowed such despair to happen to his people time and time again. David wrestled with the questions for years, especially when he was hiding from Saul who was trying to murder him. And he was wondering if he was even going to live to see the day that he was going to be king. David begins Psalm 13, and he asks this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? These are people with questions. Questions about suffering even reach the mouth of Jesus. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42 through 43, Jesus wrestled with this internal agony before his crucifixion. And he's, such, he's under such stress that the, the blood vessels in his forehead, they popped. He was literally sweating blood, and he asked God, must I really do this? Is there no other way? Man, you can have faith and still have questions. Because having faith doesn't stop the questions, and it doesn't eliminate the pain. But I'll tell you what faith will do for you in your suffering. Choosing faith in your suffering will, number one, 
remind you that God is faithful. Choosing faith in your suffering will remind you that God is faithful. Your faith will remind you of God's faith. I, I think most people uh, never make it past the first or second chapter of Job. And, and they only see the, his loss and his hurt and his pain. And they think, I think they miss out on a real important lesson. Job's faith brought him through his suffering to what the Lord was bringing to him. Job's faith brought him through his suffering to what the Lord was bringing to him. Look at Job chapter 42, 10 through 16. It says this, After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. After this, Job lived 140 years. This was back in the day. People can live a little longer. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so Job died an old man and full of years. Look at what James says in James chapter 5, 10 through 11. It says, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Faith, as Hebrews says, is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. But confidence in what? In the fact that God is faithful, that he's full of compassion, that he's full of mercy. See, faith is a reminder to us through the Holy Spirit that God has seen you through it before and he will see you through it again. Faith is a reminder that no matter the lows you're going through, God will always take you to the highs. No matter what you're going through, God's going to see you through. God wants you to be faithful to him because he's unfailably faithful to you. God wants you to be faithful to him because he's unfailably faithful to you. You want evidence? Look at 7 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.13. It says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. <laughs> if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. See, it would go against God's very nature to not be faithful to you. You want even more evidence? Look at Jesus. As he was sold out by one of his closest friends, sent to the cross by the people he was just doing miracles for, denied by his boldest followers, and while he hung on the cross, he prayed to the Father to forgive them. And Jesus died on the cross in our place when we didn't deserve it because God is faithful to you. See, you can choose faith in the middle of suffering, not because it's going to eliminate the pain, not because it's going to eliminate the questions, but because you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that God is faithful and that he will be faithful in and through any situation you're going through. 
God sees your suffering, and he doesn't turn a blind eye to it. Even when we can't see in the moment, we can have the confidence knowing that God is moving and working. See, if God had, if Job had chosen to curse God and die, Job would have never made it to the blessing that God had for him. If Job didn't hold on to his faith, if he didn't choose to be faithful in the middle of his suffering, Job would have never made it to the blessing that God had for him. Job would have never seen the double that God had for him. He would have died an unhappy man. Choosing faith in our suffering reminds us that God is faithful, that he will work out all things for the good of those who love him. And lastly, choosing faith in your suffering will do this. Number two, bring you closer to God. Choosing faith in your suffering will bring you closer to God. See, though Job didn't know it, Job was on his way to the most intimate encounter with God that he would ever have in his lifetime. Through just a a short season of suffering, which many scholars believe this, this time of life that Job was going through, this suffering in his life, could have been as short as nine days. As long as nine months, but most scholars think it could have been as short as nine days, this thing that he's going through. In fact, most of the book of Job takes place over one single conversation. And during this short but unbelievably terrible time, he was on a journey that would lead him to his greatest understanding of God. In fact, Job 38 says, out of the storm, God spoke to Job. Out of the storm, God spoke to Job. And his limited understanding of God, it broadened, and he became closer to God. His relationship with God was stronger. See, the enemy wanted his suffering to turn Job away from God, but Job chose faithfulness, and it actually brought him closer to God, and God blessed him immensely for it. See, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned for good. God worked through and spoke through the storm. Suffering may have been the only road that would have led him to a more intimate encounter with God. I think, unfortunately, so many people, when they face suffering and trials and hardship, their first instinct is to run away in the opposite direction, going further away from God than ever before. There's a story of a a rich man in the Bible, and he comes to Jesus. He's like, how can I follow you? I want to follow you. And Jesus says, hey, sell all you have. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. And see, he was so afraid to suffer the loss of his material wealth that he, he missed walking with the literal Messiah. Judas, after selling out Jesus, was overwhelmed by his own self-inflicted heartache. He took his own life. And he missed the resurrection of Jesus. But man, for every lost opportunity, the Bible provides plenty of success stories. Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, they all suffered for decades before seeing how faithful God could be to those who simply would not let go of their faith. David became more than a king. He became the most beloved songwriter in the history of faith. And most of his great psalms came straight out of his seasons of suffering. 
the disciples before Jesus' crucifixion, I don't know if you know this, but the disciples only knew good. Up until the point Jesus was crucified, the disciples only knew popularity. There would be crowds of people following them in Jesus. They always had a place to stay, always had a place to eat, always had food on the table. God was just multiplying bread and fish left and right. They only knew the good. And then come the day that they were persecuted and Jesus was crucified. And man, they could have quit there. But then they found that that Jesus that they were following was the Christ, the Son of the God, a Messiah who faced great suffering with great courage. And let me ask you, if, if Jesus had to face suffering, why wouldn't you? If Jesus, the only man who walked this earth blameless and upright. See, the Bible calls Job blameless, but he wasn't perfect. But Jesus was perfect. And he walked this earth perfectly, and he loved perfectly, and he lived perfectly, yet he faced suffering and persecution. He had everything stripped away, his clothes, he was flayed on his back, he was hung on a cross, and he died the most excruciating death. If Jesus endured suffering, why shouldn't we? Everyone has to face it at some time or another, and it's going to be your choice to choose faithfulness or faithlessness. As the band kind of comes up, I want to close with this. I, I want to ask you, if everything in your life was gone, would your relationship with God be enough? If everything in your life was gone, would your relationship with God be enough? Is God more to you than just a curator of your desires? Is he more to you than just a genie? <laughs> Is he more th to you than just what you have right now? Is he more than that? Is your faith only real in your life when there's no hardship? James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith provides and produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Can I say this? If your faith can't be tested, then your faith isn't real. If your faith can't be tested, then your faith's probably not real. What's your faith made out of? I mean, taking back elementary level, if the big bad wolf came and he tried, instead of knocking on your house, he tried to knock down your faith, what's your faith made out of? Is it straw? Is it just going to fall to shambles? Is it made out of sticks? Or is your faith solid? Is it made of stone? It, 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 would your faith stand the testing? Because if if your faith can't be tested, if your faith can't stand the testing, you probably need some new faith. Man, Job, I'm going to be honest, Job is such a hard book to teach on. There's so many things going on in the book of Job. There's so many questions we can ask. But when I, I look at it, what I see is a story of immense faith.
And man, I can say, I, I don't need to understand it all, God. But Lord, I pray I can be okay with not needing to. God, I don't have to understand why there's pain and suffering in the world. God, I don't have to understand your ways because I know your ways are higher than my ways. But God, I pray that I would have faithfulness that would take me through it, that I can just know and trust and believe and have an assurance that you are good and God, you are working. My, my prayer is that we would have faith, that we'd be so full of faithfulness so that when suffering happens in our life, we could overcome the pain and the questions and remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God, that he's good, that he's going to work it out for good in our lives, that ultimately we could become closer to him. And this is just the start of this series. And we're going to be looking and talking about the problem of pain and man, is, is, did God cause this to happen to Job? And why would I serve a God who does something like that to somebody? And will God do that to me? Man, these are all good questions and things we're going to talk about. But right now, I hope that you just focus on faithfulness. And where is your faith at today? Because I believe that faith can carry you through the worst times in life. Because Jesus said, trouble will come. And when trouble comes, will you be able to stand? Let's pray. God, we just thank you for this night that we can just tackle one of the hardest books in the Bible. God, a book with so many questions. Lord, I know we have so many questions. God, I pray that you would provide answers in some new ways that maybe we've never seen before. But God, more importantly, I pray that we're okay with not having answers. God, that we know that faith doesn't eliminate the pain. God, doesn't eliminate the questions. But God, faith reminds us that you are faithful to us through it all. God, that you will see us through. God, that faith will draw us closer to you. Lord, I pray that's the kind of faith we have today. God, we just give this up to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning into AnchorCast. I pray that you take this word and that Jesus transforms your life in ways you never thought possible. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. And of course, follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to stay up to date with all of our events, meetings, and uploads. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you.